Let's get into the word, all right? So we're in week four of this series called just Romans. We've been looking at chapter eight, and uh, I want to kind of put the bow on it today if we could. And, uh, and because of all those announcements, I have limited time, so you've got to listen fast. Whenever I was a kid, my mom was a nurse, and uh, I remember there was one night whenever I was really little, and um, I was little enough to stay home by myself, um, but not super little. Are y'all following me? I was small enough that a, a really bad storm was kind of scary at night, um, but not bad enough that you know I couldn't stay home by myself. So I remember one night um, I was home, and there was this bad storm, and uh, my mom worked the graveyard shift at the hospital. She was a nurse. Um, and in this season of her life, she was working the graveyard shift. And I remember that I was calling her, and I was like, Mom, I'm scared. And, and you can never get by with this now. I mean, this was... Um, more, more than 30 years ago, um, she came and got me and brought me to the hospital. So I, hang, I hung out at the hospital. Like there was an empty room and I just kind of hung out. I was laying on the hospital bed watching TV. And then there was like this physical therapy room and I went in there and played in the physical therapy room. <laughs> like you can never get by like OSHA, HIPAA. I don't know what all the things are. You can never get by with that now, but I was doing that. And I just thought about this because of who my mom was, I got access to things that I would never get access to. And I want to teach you this today. The Apostle Paul is ending Romans 8 by this, showing us that because of who Jesus is, we have access to things we should never have access to. And he teaches us this through some questions. So I want to take you through the questions. I want to give you the principles of what we have, the inheritance, the access we have as children of God. If you're with me, say amen. Romans chapter eight, I'm gonna read the last part of this text with you and then we'll walk through it um, verse by verse. The Bible says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, maybe you've heard this before, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Somebody shout all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through, through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all, Paul's trying to cover it all. Like he's just, in, in all of creation, he's just like, let's just wrap it up with that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Everybody said a big amen on that, right? And so Paul gives five questions in here. And in the questions, he is showing that there are some benefits of following Jesus. And he says this, he says, what then shall we say to this? If God's for us, who can be against us? And so number one, if you're a note taker, write this down. If not, write this down. I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear. 
Paul says, what shall we say in response to all this? What was he saying? What was the all this? It's what we've talked about the last three weeks, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. And so we're co-heirs with Christ, that even in suffering and pain in this life that we talked about last week, that our bodies will be redeemed, that God is always working, that the spirit is making intercession. And he goes, in light of all these things, what do we say in response to this? And he says, here's the response. I don't have to fear. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, here's what he's saying is that there are things you will face in this life. He's not saying that you say yes to Jesus and you place your faith in Christ and all of a sudden you have no more problems. Are y'all with me? Paul's not saying that all of a sudden you have a worry-free life and that, that you don't have anything else. What he's saying is that whatever is great is following you or attacking you, you have a God that is greater. So if God be for me, what can be against me? If God be for me, then the promotion or the lack of it can't be against me. If God be for me, then the sickness can't be against me. If God be for me, then the tension in relationships can't be against me because God is for me. Are y'all with me today? He's saying if God's for us, then who can be against us? Can disease, can pandemic, can financial stress, can political issues, can the naysayers, can, can people that want to criticize you, speak wrongly of you, lie about you, that want to stab you in the back, can the person that walked out on the marriage, he's not saying you won't face pain and difficulty, but he's saying if God is for us, then who can be against us? I don't know how you felt, but whenever I was a kid, I got a lot more bold when my dad was around. Why? Because dad brought a presence. Dad brought a strength. When dad was around, I was like, now mess with me. Anybody else, you feel me? Like you had that, like I was just like, there was just something about his presence. It's because I knew there was something greater backing me. Are y'all with me? I had had some reinforcements. Are y'all following me? And so what Paul is saying that no matter what we face in this life, no matter what pain, no matter what suffering, what do we say? If God is for me, then who can be against me? I have something greater that is backing me. And so if that's true about the nature of God, then what is it that I can take hold of? It's this, it's that Jesus is my defender. Too many people are walking around trying to defend themselves. Let God defend you. Are you with me? I always say, there was years ago, Tammy and I were were dating. We weren't even married yet. And uh, I was serving in a church and, and believe it or not, I was wanting to do things differently. And and um, reach people. And I I never understood in my mind um, Christians that didn't want people to be reached. I never understood Christians that didn't want their church to grow. I never understood that. I thought the whole assignment was to get as many people in heaven as we can. I thought that's the whole commission that he gave us, to reach people, disciple people, so you reach more people. Are you following me? And so there was a lot of uh, criticism about me and, and people saying things about me that were not even true. And Tammy, she's, if you know the Enneagram, she's a one, so she's very justice and she's very like, defend your case. And she's like, I'm gonna give you, I will tell you the truth. Are y'all following me? Yeah. And, uh, and, um, and she just said, why don't you say something? 
we were dating and I was like, because God's my defender. I was like, if my character and integrity can't, the Bible says that when you walk with character, it guides you and it protects you. Come on, if God is for you, who can be against you? Are you following me? Are y'all getting this today? Y'all still thinking about those buildings? They're tools. They're not the goal. Are you following me? Just tools. Number two is I don't have to worry. I don't have to fear, but I don't have to worry. Listen to what Paul said. He said, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Here's the question. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, if Jesus saw enough value in you to hang on a cross to purchase you, Are y'all following me? You know that's what happened. That when he stretched his arms out on a cross, the Bible says that I have been bought with a price, that my sins were forgiven, not at any cheapness. Grace is not cheap. I hear people say, well, you're just preaching cheap grace. No, no, I'm preaching a generous grace, but it was not cheap. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him everything. His nails were put through his hands. His back was ripped to shreds. crown of thorns was placed into his head. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was laid in a tomb and he rose again three days later. And God saw such value in you that he's willing to pay that price so that you might have the forgiveness of sins. And if he saw that value in you, if he wouldn't withhold Jesus, why will he not with him give me all things? So why would I walk around fretting? Why would I walk around worrying? Why would I walk around going, oh no, what's gonna happen? Why would I walk around with anxiety and stress? Because the God who valued me that much, do you really think that he would put Jesus through all that? and only purchase my salvation? Why would he give me the Holy Spirit and not give me wisdom for parenting? Why would he not, why would he give me the Holy Spirit and not give me the ability to work through the marital struggles that may pop up? Why would he give me Jesus and forgiveness of sin and then not be a light unto my path so that I would know the way to walk in. Why would I don't have to worry? Paul's saying, there's more. You got access to more because of who your daddy is. Because of the faith you have placed in Jesus, you have more than just fire insurance. It's more than just, I'll go to heaven one day. No, I'm bringing heaven to earth today. That while everybody's walking around in fear, I don't have to fear because if God is for me, who can be against me? While everybody is worrying about the stock market and worrying about who's in the White House and worrying about the midterms and worrying about the prices of gas, I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying if he gave me Jesus, why would he not with him willingly give me all things? So here's what it tells me. It tells me Jesus is my provider. He's my provider. He will take care of me. 
When the dust settles, I have not seen the righteous begging for bread. He will take care of me. He will take care of you. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Number three, Paul tells us I don't have to seek approval. Look what he goes on to say in verse 33 through 34. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Let me break this down for a minute. Paul's saying, in other words, the one that could bring a charge against you has decided to justify you. The word justify, real simple definition, is he positionally sees you as if you had never sinned. That's what justification is. That is the only reason you will get into heaven is because the blood of Jesus, the the gospel that Jesus died for your sin, was buried and rose again three days later, that his, his work on the cross justifies you. You're not justified. You're not made right with God. Are, are y'all with me so far? You're not made right with God. I know these are kind of, you're not justified with God because of your religious behavior. If your religious behavior could make you right with God, then the cross was a cruel joke. We were hopeless without any hope of salvation. There was one way to heaven, and it is through the person of Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Well, pastor, that's kind of exclusive. Those aren't my words. They're the words of Jesus. Take it up with him. But the only way to be made right with God is through Jesus. And it says the one that could have condemned you decided to offer you justification. Then he says, who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one has the right to condemn you. No voice, no person, no voice of the enemy, no one on the outside of your life. No one has the right to condemn you because the one who could have condemned you decided to justify you. Are y'all getting this today? Think about this. I heard a pastor say this. Jesus has more invested in you than you do. He says, no one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is all to, so so get this middle picture. The one who could have condemned me decided to justify me. And not only is the one who condemned me decided to justify me, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father going, I know they did it again, but I took care of that. I know they sinned again, but I took care of that. I know they blew it again, but I took care of that. Father, it's all right. The cross covered that. Father, I know they'll get it eventually. He could have condemned me, but he justified me. And not only did he justify me, but right now he is interceding for me. Oh, what grace. It really is amazing. And so I don't have to seek approval. I'm not living my life going, I hope God likes me. I hope God will be happy with me. I hope God, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I hope, I hope he'll, I hope he'll pick me, pick me, pick me, pick. No, no, he goes, I already chosen you. And those who chose, he chose, he justified when he could have condemned. And so don't ever let the voice of the enemy condemn you. Because the one who had every right to condemn you, the perfect son of God, 
decided to justify you. That's why the old hymn writer wrote amazing grace. There's no other word for it but amazing. And so here's what I hold to, hold to is that Jesus is my righteousness. So my righteousness is not based on what I do. It's based on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And so as the old hymn said that I grew up on, it says, nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to your cross I cling. I've got nothing else to offer him. I've got nothing else to give. I've got nothing else of value except what Jesus did for me on the cross. And so now I don't serve and love and give and build and reach and live and pursue Jesus so he'll like me. No, I pursue him because I'm overwhelmed that when he could have condemned me, he justified me. I'm overwhelmed at his grace and his mercy so out of love. I want to know him more. Out of love, I want to serve him more. Out of love, I want to give more. I want to share more. I want to love others more. Not because I'm trying to gain something, that's religion, but because I already have something. Are y'all with me? Let me give you this final thought. This is so good. I love how Paul ends this chapter. And this is it. I don't lose. We started Romans 8 as there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We learned that we've been adopted as sons. We learned that there's pain and suffering in the world but how to get through it. And then Paul gets to the end. He goes, I just want you to know you don't lose. He, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or pandemics or high gas prices or political unrest or racial tensions or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. He's saying, we're going through some things, everybody. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. It's gonna be important in a minute. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, not on our own strength, but through Jesus. And Paul goes, and Paul had been through some stuff, y'all. He says, for I'm convinced. He didn't say, well, I hope. No, he said, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height, nor any depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me share this with you real quick. The word conquers there is the Greek word nikeo, nikeo, N-I-K-A-O. It's where we get the word Nike from. You're welcome, Nike. And it means to conquer, but not just win. It means you win, you take away the spoils of victory. In, in this time in Rome, it would mean that not only did you win the battle and you took home the spoils, but often they would, of the defeated nation, they would take the king 
and they would bring him as their prisoner. They would take the territory that they just won and now their children and their children's children had an inheritance. What Paul is saying to us is that you may go through some things in life, but I want you to know you're more than a conqueror. That not only did Jesus come and he defeat death, hell, and the grave, but he went to hell, he took the keys of hell, and he came back and he rose victorious. And so here's what I want you to know, is the enemy of your soul is on a short leash today. That God's given him a, a period of time, but he's not a, a victorious winner, he is a defeated foe. And so you and I are not living this life to victory, but we're looking at the cross living from victory in our life. And so here's what I want you to know, is that whether sword come or pestilence come or famine or darkness or angels or demons, he says nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we are more than conquerors. And I don't know what you're facing in your life today. And I don't know what is attacking you today and I don't know what's got you defeated and down and depressed and anxious and worried and fearful about tomorrow but I want you to know you child of God are more than a conqueror today because this because Jesus is our victory not because I'm good not because I'm strong and not because I'm super Christian and not because you either, but because you've got a God who sent his only son into the earth to live the sinless life that you and I could never live and died the death you and I deserve to die. Was buried and rose again three days later, proving that he was who he said he was, the son of God with to take away the sins of the world. And because of our faith in him, we don't have to fear. You got access. You can go play in the physical therapy room. You can go to the nurse's station, have chips and soda. You can roam the hallway because you got access because of who your father is. You don't have to fear, you don't have to worry, you don't have to seek approval, and you don't lose. Because even if this body fades away, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're in a win-win situation. Come on, do you receive the word today? Hey, let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed at every room in our church today. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never taken the step to place your faith in Jesus. As I talked about seeking approval, you always thought you had to perform for God. You always thought that to get God to like you, you had to jump through some hoops. And Maybe today was the first time you heard that it's your faith alone in Christ alone. Some of you today, you need a brand new beginning. You need a fresh start. The Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Everything passes away and everything becomes new. And that can be true for you today. And so if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I, I need to, I'm gonna surrender doing it my way. I wanna do it God's way. I wanna know that my sins are forgiven. 
I wanna know that I don't have to fear, I don't have to worry, that I don't have to seek approval and that I wanna know I don't lose. If that's you, in a moment, we're gonna pray together as a church. We do this every week. If that's you, I'm, I'm gonna ask you in just a second, I'm gonna count to three. I just want you to shoot your hand up. No one will be looking around, just myself, our campus pastors. If that's you, when I get to three, this is your moment, you just shoot your hand up. I believe you shooting it up is your sign of faith. Saying, God, I believe in my heart. The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So if that's you today, when I count to three, you just shoot your hand up high enough and long enough for myself or your campus pastor to see on three. One, two, three. You just shoot it up. God bless you. God bless you. Incredible. You can put it down. Church, let's pray this out loud together all across the house for the benefit of those who just slipped their hand up. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Thank you for saving me. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision. Incredible, incredible. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.